Welcome to Digital E, the podcast for healthcare marketers, where we look at the digital news, tools, tips, and tricks for effective healthcare communications. I'm David Schifrin with Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock, and I'm with Lee Acey, digital healthcare pioneer and now healthcare entrepreneur. This week, Lee and I talk about digital security sort of in two forms. So as you listen and think about ensuring that your own information is secure, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, share it, rate it, and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and check out everything we've got from GerardInc.com. All right, so a brand new topic today, Lee, something that nobody has ever talked about before, ever. We were digging under rocks and found this. No, it's not true. I wish it was true, but it's not true. Conversation today about cybersecurity and protecting our own personal information. And this really started with an article that we found, I think it's from CNBC, talking about a LinkedIn scam where people are creating fake profiles and then pulling people into cryptocurrency scams while they pose as financial advisors and bilking people out of a lot of money. So that kind of raised the issue of you always have to be wary about what you're doing online. And then uh, led into sort of a wider conversation about just personal information online in general, which brought up this other new problem that has been revealed recently, where tracking pixels have been placed on not just hospital websites, but in some cases on patient portals. And that is allowing for the transfer or the sale of private health information and other personal information from patients to be sold. Yeah, I thought the LinkedIn article, the article about using fraud on LinkedIn, people setting up fake accounts and enticing others into investing in cryptocurrency. And then the story the one person featured was that they had been directed into a into crypto.com, a reputable site, and then building that relationship. And then over time, having it being migrated or being encouraged to migrate into another site owned by the other by the bad guy so i think it's just good for us to know that people who are wanting to do us ill are restless restless yeah. they do not rest <laughs> and they're they're very eager to exploit opportunity i see it all the time with text messages that i get saying an at&t message your bill has been paid and please accept your gift with a link to click there's all sorts of just shady things like that are happening and it just i guess eternal vigilance is the price of liberty as the old saying goes or the price of yeah economic liberty because that person yeah. in this particular case had lost $280,000, had been swindled out of that. And I guess the what we're seeing with these digital platforms is just a lot more opportunity for people to have a broader range, for the bad guys to have a broad range, broader scope in terms of an audience that they can try to exploit. What's interesting about that article too, I thought, was that it highlighted that LinkedIn is a good place to scam people because mm-hmm. people look at LinkedIn as a relatively safe, professional place to go. And I think your point is exactly right. They just have to be wary and can't, frankly, can't trust anything. Yeah, they also post that they work at a given institution or for a given company. And there isn't any verification of that. That's They're alleging that, and I've I had that back before in my days working with Mayo Clinic. Somebody would say they were a Mayo Clinic employee and they're reaching out to me and I'd look them up in the directory in our online directory employee directory and say so is this even really a I don't recognize this person is this a Mayo person but it's so easy to just say oh this is somebody who works with me I'll, yeah I'll accept them whatever and then I don't know if you want to talk about this here Lee but you had mentioned too that you had a recent experience with some bots and spammers that, oh, uh, just, that fits in with this yeah it was just crazy it's right along these lines and speaking of AT&T I got a call from AT&T that someone was trying to purchase a phone 
using my phone number and they had they were calling to confirm that it wasn't me or to check that it wasn't me and I said no that's not me and when I hung up I opened my email and I had about 200 different email list subscription things that were coming in saying thank you for signing up for the Indiana Department of Labor list and for the US so US Agency for Indep- Economic Development all and the, what I and so I did a Google search and said so why am I getting all these emails for subscription lists and I guess this is a scam that's happening now where people do some kind of a hard they were trying to get a free phone and what they'll do then is use your email address to subscribe to email newsletters that don't have a captcha on them that you know prove that you're human kind of thing so when the idea is that when that, that AT&T notification comes that's it's swamped by all these other emails that you're getting as well and you end up deleting it and not recognizing that it's that's happening they've harvested the lists of all these places where they can push one button and put in your email address and subscribe you to all of them through a bot and then it's just a matter of creating chaff creating countermeasures that prevent you from seeing what's going on. So, yeah, that's just one new wrinkle about the relentlessness and restlessness of the bad guys in terms of figuring out new ways to cover their tracks. Well, Lee, let's let's flip this then from sort of our responsibility, it's always our responsibility to be vigilant, but to think about this in terms of what we actually give permission for and our expectations around privacy. Now, our information, as everybody knows, is out there everywhere. We sign up for Facebook, we sign up for Twitter, we sign up for anything. And with cookies, we've just signed our whole lives away. And yet at the same time, there's still an expectation, right? That certain elements of our life should be private, particularly when it comes to health. And so that is a concern now with with these the exposure of tracking pixels being placed on provider websites and on patient portals. So talk a little bit about how social media is collecting information, how these pixels work and why it is possible. Yeah, when a pixel gets placed on a website and whether in this case that uh, we're talking about here, you're talking about um, patient portals. I think that's just amazing to me that someone would think that was an okay thing to do. It's one thing when it's a regular hospital website. When you're into the patient portal, then you're looking and you do events that trigger capture of information. And when they were talking about that, the name of the patient, the time of the appointment and the doctor. So if it's a specialist in gynecology or in other, whatever other, whatever specialist, whatever specialty it is, it can be pretty revealing of what kind of interest or condition that the patient might have. I think uh, hospitals and health providers that are dealing with pixels at all on their sites are really setting themselves up for a, a pretty big privacy concern blowback. That There will be some episodes like this that will come in the future where information gets disclosed that somebody will raise a major issue and people and organizations that are using these within their sites are going to be not in a good spot. They're going to they're gonna have reputational risk and I just don't think they have reputational risk now (laughs) they will suffer reputational damage and there will be concern about it that that'll be hard to erase so I would really recommend that um, hospitals and other providers be super reluctant to engage in that and maybe be very careful and I don't know I 
they, there's the old Ronald Reagan saying, trust but verify, but I don't know if yeah. how, I don't, I don't think you should trust. <laughs> I think yeah. it's, it's just, it's playing with fire and to be messing with that. So it does put a little bit of a crimp on marketing plans because if you just say, look, we're not going to mess with this at all. We're not going to mess with pixels. Then that does, and not talk on the main website, not talking about patient portals and that should just be a given. But if you say, we're not going to even go near the fire, much less play with it, then yeah, that could have potential implications for how you're doing retargeting, how you're setting up your advertising campaigns. But I think that the challenge then is, or the call then is just to find other ways to reach people, use other tools, but don't put yourself in a situation where you're unwittingly violating all kinds of patient confidentiality. If you're the gateway for information getting about your patients and even your prospective patients getting shared with others and sold to others, that's just not... Marketing is something that's done in healthcare, obviously, it needs to be done. But that needs to be put in... It needs to be in a very circumscribed place so that's not doing harm to the people that we're trying to serve. So then leave for the tip that I think that kind of is it, but more specifically, what are a couple of things digital teams should, after listening to this, should go and check or that uh, an executive should ask their team to make sure everything's okay? Yeah, they should just be uh, definitely finding out what the organization is doing and has done with pixel placement and use of these and going if they're going to go into it, going with eyes wide open and really understanding in what limited respect they might consider using something like this, but it is playing with fire and likely to get burned. Okay. And then the other piece of this, again, flipping it back towards the patient then is so often we'll get emails from different service providers saying, whatever, Xfinity will never call you requesting your password or your social security number, something like that. And I think that ends up in the material that we get from hospitals or doctor's offices and that sheaf of papers that we always have to sign in the privacy practices. But I think it's also important just to, to, it's one more responsibility on the providers, but to take the time to explain to your patients what, how you collect information, how you ask for information, what you're doing, and to really give them the resources that they need to protect themselves and their personal health information. In, in a way, it's kind of like the survey fatigue that we all have because you get this American Express wants to know what your experience was like with your most recent person or Delta Airlines or whoever. And with all these disclosures of privacy practices, as the consumer, you're, it is bewildering. It's just, it's a snowball. And so finding ways to, as healthcare providers, to be clear about that and eliminate the jargon and try to be plain English communication. But mainly, don't do bad things. Use the mom test. What would you want happening with your mom's information? And golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, that if you wouldn't want your information used in that way, you know, probably ought to not be doing it, especially given that many of our, many if not most of our healthcare providers are nonprofits. So you're supposed to have a charitable public service orientation. Um, I think it's that that weighs very heavily on the level of caution that you should be uh, exercising when engaging in any of this kind of stuff. All right, sounds good. 